Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Um, as I've been doing uh, uh, for the last six months or so, is giving one word or two uh, to define or describe the episode. And today, extremely important. Um, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, not necessarily a fun topic. Uh, in the world of real estate technology, there's fun, interesting, innovative things to do that move the ball forward. Those are the things we all get excited about. Um, but unfortunately, the, from time to time, we have to play defense. And what defense means is keeping your systems, your buildings, your people safe, uh, hence the topic of cybersecurity in the built environment. We've got a phenomenal group of people on this call today, dedicated, hardworking, committed individuals who've been fighting this real estate cyber issue or dealing with it for at least five, six, and in some cases, seven years. Um, the folks on the call today or on the um, episode today are going to be Greg Fitzpatrick, our brand new executive director for the Real Estate Cyber Consortium, Jim Whalen, SVP, CIO and CTO for Boston Properties, BXP, uh, also a senior level executive member of REC uh, and really one of the driving forces. And last but not least, Sean Nealon, SVP, Global Head Cybersecurity and Information and security for Brookfield, who's also on the rec board and really brings that deep uh, CISO um, knowledge and expertise to the conversation. So with that, let's bring the guys in and start to have this conversation. Gentlemen, how are you this morning? Doing well. Good afternoon in Boston, Jim. So. Uh, afternoon, I'm sorry, afternoon in Boston. Yeah, and who knows where else uh, people are watching from. Uh, it's really interesting to, to have um, Greg and Jim on Jim's been with this conversation since the very beginning. Greg, as I mentioned, uh, Rex's new executive director. But the time level and commitment that it's taken to keep this conversation going at a time when people have got a lot of other priorities on their list, right? So let's start with each of you, just giving a little bit of background. Jim, we'll start with you, just so everybody has an idea of where you sit in the cybersecurity conversation. Sure, Jim. Yeah. Uh, so uh, obviously, I mentioned the CIO and CTO of BXP. I've been here 25 years and just oversee uh, the, the, the you know, running of our enterprise, the security that gets embedded, uh, technology that gets embedded in our properties as well as behind the scenes tech. So again, I, I see cyber as a kind of a, a table stakes that is enable or we need it to enable all the tech and innovation that we do on our platform. I'll add a little color to that. Not are you, Jim, in my opinion, one of the most consistent, successful CIO leadership, executive leaders in this industry. But I think uh, your willingness to share consistently for the 20 plus years I've known you, you know, it's one thing to be smart and do good things. It's another to be willing to take extra time and share with the industry. and. You've been really consistent with that. So thank you for uh, for all your time and effort over the years. Um, Greg, uh, the newest to the team, a little background. Yes. Uh, well, uh, currently I'm the uh, business development lead for Cochrane Supply and Engineering area of IoT and integration. Uh, I've been in the industry close to 30 years now and worked as a consulting engineer, commissioning agent, owner's representative, and uh, landed at Cochrane about five years ago, and cyber awareness has come to the forefront of every conversation now that we're starting to put more IP devices, more remote access when it comes to OT solutions. So what we want to do, and uh, my involvement in REC, is to make cyber awareness more of a topic when it comes to the manufacturers, the A&E firms, the commissioning agent, and all these other building stakeholders that touch uh, commercial property. 
Right. Well, and, and the, the key word that you said, in my opinion, is stakeholders, plural. Yes. Um, you look at a building and all the people that touch that building uh, from a technological standpoint, and it's a large group of people. And, and if you have the building owners aware, but the integrators are incapable, that doesn't work. If you have the integrators capable and the builder, building owners, operators, service providers unaware. So this battle is fighting a lot of different fronts. And it is so good to have you on our team with your 30 years of real life experience on what it takes to build these intelligent, smart buildings, as well as to protect them. So good to have you. Sean, you're the you're the scariest, and I thought you maybe would come on in a hoodie today. <laughs> you're, you're the guy who gets to read all the scary stuff and then share it with us. So give us a little of your background. Sure. Um, I'm Sean Nealon. I'm the Global Head of Cyber Information Security for Brookfield Properties. I've been with Brookfield for six years now. Um, I've been in IT and security for 22, I think, years now, 23 years now. Um, and, uh, you know, just... Um, it's interesting, you know, as, as many of you know, Brookfield is a large organization, a lot of subsidiaries. And so my role is an interesting hybrid where I, I help run information security for some groups. And then I oversee information security for um, a portfolio of uh, 80 plus companies. So it's a, it's a wide a swath of, of real estate in every vertical um, around the world. I mean, all kidding aside, can you sleep at night? I mean, with all those buildings, all those systems, all the, the technology, uh, that is under constant attack with a high profile organization like Brookfield. I mean, is it manageable? It, it's manageable. I mean, I, I think the, the, the thing to always remember, and the thing I always try to remind people is, you know, cybersecurity is a, is a business problem, not an IT problem or not my problem. So, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of us that are focused on this and working on it. So it's not just, you know, me that has trouble sleeping when we have an issue. It's, it's, you know, the CEOs, the COOs, the CFOs and, and, and so on and so forth. So, I think that there's, yeah. you know, as long as it's a business focus and people are working on it, it's it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to sleep. That That's a critical thing I want everybody watching to remember. It is not a one person, one department problem. It is an organizational issue. And if you don't have that organizational awareness, number one, and commitment, number two, hard battle to fight. Hard battle to fight. So, all right, Jim, since you've been there since the beginning, mm. um, that first meeting, that clandestine meeting of 40, <laughs> where we were told about a, a breach in a major manufacturer's uh, equipment, um, tell us a little bit about Rex mission goals. Why Why was it formed? Sure. Yeah, I know. It was, it was, you know, as you mentioned, Jim, it was at RealCom San Jose. But what, yeah. 2016, I think, and, yeah. uh, you know, a couple of us, it wound up being 40, stayed after everything ended. And you got us, you know, got us a room and we started to talk about the threat landscape and the risk to, you know, commercial commercial real estate. And out of that uh, became, a, you know, there was three or four of us that kind of took the baton um, and, you know, then started to think about a more formal community community that resulted in REC, the formation of REC. And, you know, first couple of years, we were really, um, you know, just kind of a, a volunteer getting it together, had some, you know, growing membership. Uh, you know, about two years ago, we, you know, more formally, you know, uh, registered as a nonprofit. We hired a, a part-time executive director. Now Greg is in that role and, and really began, uh, I think a more, you know, building critical mass, you know, building this community. And we, they're all owners and operators of, um, 
of real estate, commercial real estate. So we have both, uh, you know, Sean and myself that they're land commercial office landlords and own a lot of other different property types. Uh, but it also has commercial owners and universities and other um, other demographics that are now part of the membership. And it it is it is a critical mass now. I mean, it's I I, I forget what we quote is in terms of the square footage, but it is. It is over 10 billion. It's significant. It's significant, right? And so, uh, so you know, the the real mission of the of of is, is really, you know, I think about it. You know, we're trying to influence. You know, Greg brought this up. The, the the supply chain. We're trying the whole supply chain, um, and that happens not only you know from the manufacturers. Greg was talking through the installers, through the maintainers, but also like within our organizations, how we get. Uh, the the disciplines and this genre, you know, the, to take it as a business issue, not just as an IT IT issue, right? So it's really about uh, influencing the supply chain, and secondly, really sharing uh, best practices uh, in a in in a communal community uh, because this this is not just you know one of us; um, it's a threat to the entire industry. So well, and and I think the one word <clears throat> word that comes to my mind when I think about this five six year journey. Um, is leverage. I mean, everybody's busy. Everybody's got very big to-do lists. And instead of one person coming up with the right answers or the processes or the protocols, let's do it as a group. Let's share it. And there is a whole, I mean, we're probably 5% of the industry, in my, my bet, as far as people who have gone deep mm. on cybersecurity for the built environment. Mm. And so those coming you know, up behind, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. This this group has has built a foundation in which to share Best practices. It, it, it just there's case. thought leadership around the entire. I mean, the the the, the table. It's, it's just it's, uh, people again. People like Sean, but there's a lot of others, and it's a it's a communal effort. So, yeah. Well, and 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 yeah, and like I said, I was in a, a meeting yesterday talking about cybersecurity, and and I just basically said the guys in the hoodies, you know, have no organization, no have no bureaucracy, don't 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 do teams calls. Mm-hmm. They just go out looking for havoc, and they're very efficient. So, you know, big organizations do have things that they have to deal with in orderly fashion. So this word leverage just keeps coming back to me. Like, how do we leverage each other, share best practices with each other? So not everyone has to reinvent um, the wheel. So um, it's 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 really just a pleasure to be with you guys and, and be along for this journey. And, and it's been a not an easy one, but I think, like you said, we're making real progress. All right. Um, let's talk specifically um, about what are the threats, right? And, and we've we've seen the movies, and you know we've, we've we've gotten scared watching buildings get shut down. But Sean, I'm going to go to you first since you touch it, you know, minute by minute every day. What kind of generic threats that you can share with us uh, that building owners, operators, anybody with a building needs to be concerned with? Yeah, I mean, there's a few. Um, one is you know that the building can be you know occupied, so. You know, building management systems, building systems can be shut down. If you're in a large office tower, elevator shut down, that's a life and safety issue. If HVAC turns off, that's a life and safety issue. Um, you know, if you have a, you know, sports complex or a concert venue and the lights turn off, um, you know, there's a, there, the, the lighting is controlled, that's a huge safety issue. So, you know, the, there's the impact to the public, there's impact to ability to collect revenue. And frankly, it's just, it's safety. Like we want to keep everyone in our building safe. We take that very seriously. Um, as far as, um, you know, the, the data side too, I, I do own privacy as well. And privacy is a huge concern. You know, we collect a lot of data. We have data on our tenants. We have data on our visitors. Um, we have data on our, uh, you know, people that live in our multifamily units or our single family rentals. So 
we're very serious about uh, you know protecting our data as well, not just being compliant with applicable laws, but really making sure that we're doing what's right for our customers. Um, so that, those are the, the primary things that I see. Um, there's obviously the asset value issue as well. So you know, reputational risk, if a building has a major cyber breach, it's in the newspaper, it, it could devalue the asset, it could cause an issue. Um, also building systems are very expensive. You know, if you, there haven't, there have been issues, not in specific to real estate, but in other areas of operational technology where there's been destructive malware that would take systems down. Um, if that were to happen to an air handler or, you know, a, a very large system in one of our buildings, that could be a half a million dollar, you know, system that is not replaced in, you know, a few hours. It's, it's a very difficult thing to, to, to have to deal with. Right. We had we had one case study that we presented, I think, about a year and a, a year ago, a building in Israel where the building was attacked by malware and so wrapped up that elevators weren't operational, access control, lighting. I mean, they just locked this thing up. And I think if I recall, Jim, that it was three, four months before they finally got everything undone and got that building going again. Yeah, it, was, it was a very pervasive, you know, because they really didn't have the proper I mean, in my understanding, you know, proper segmentation in the building and it, it basically moved laterally and or were on a central con server that controlled the entire building. Right. It was it was right. really a um, that kind of thing. And we've had those kind of I mean, events, Jim, and not not that that wound up being disruptive. But we have had, you know, someone, you know, a service tech working, walking in with a memory stick and plugging it into, you know, uh, an HVAC and and infecting, you know, downloading a payload of malware um, onto a server. And again, our protections kind of caught it, caught that the communication woke up and started to look at uh, connection points for no a known ransomware location. But that's an that's another. I mean, that's a simple example of someone. You know, our, our providers downstream not having good practices coming in and actually impacting, um, you know, impacting our, our environment. So and, and we're going to take a brief break for uh, here from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I want to spend maybe a minute talking about the ITOT connection and the area of expertise between IT and OT that sometimes does not overlap and causes some problems. And I think we may have some solutions for this. So we'll be right back. All right, Jim, I just want to piggyback on something you just said, uh, you know, about the, the IT uh, component of all this. So we were talking before we came on about the relationship between IT and OT. An IT professional 20 years learns about bits and bytes and IP and servers and all the stuff that we grew up with, right? And then an OT, you know, building engineers, they, they've got that equipment that they know inside now. Mm -hmm. So they're now expected to learn and understand the whole IT infrastructure that we you know took 25 years to learn about it folks who usually were worrying about enterprise solutions now they got to worry about all these pieces of equipment from 30 different manufacturers going back 30 years it, it, can we bridge this gap is it get is the itot gap getting bridged yeah well i i, I think it is I, I know that's how our our mantra and culture here are uh, i can tell you like our head of uh you know sean's equivalent here on my team was a former building engineer you know that's how he got trained and he moved into it 12 13 years ago so uh, he, he he knows how to talk to engineers you know and buildings building teams but um but I, I, you know, but there is nuance. So, as, you know, w when we have like all these controls on the IT side, and again, when you move over to the operational, there's all these nuances. It's much more uh, of a varied uh, uh, environment of devices and types of equipment. And so there, there are boundaries. And this is actually one of the topics we're going to bring. It's very prevalent right now and is like one of the top rated kind of conversations we're going to have uh, at the forum, you know, in June when we get to Realcom is this boundary and how we push 
and where are the nuances? Where are the um, the areas that you have to manage and navigate? Yeah, I, I mean, we've been dealing with the ITOT integration, organizational integration. I think it feels like about 10 years now. It, it's, it's just you just got to keep pushing. Right. I mean, these are people who grew up in certain segments of the industry, somewhat sometimes isolated, isolated and siloed. We got to break down those silos and get everybody talking uh, from the same hymn book, if you will. All right. So let's get back to rec. Um, what do what do members get when they join REC? And Jim, you've been around the longest, so I'm going to throw it to you first. I mean, when somebody new comes into REC, what can they expect? Yeah, so, so I'll just kind of comment that, you know, we, we are not here to, I mean, I don't want to be solving every problem or challenge by myself. You know, I want to have a community that I can reference and leverage best practice and learn from others so I'm not replicating um, you know, or, or spinning my, you know, or, you know, spinning my wheel to kind of, kind of figure it out. So I think that's really, for me, it's about the community um, and what, what we benefit from just being in the room together, being on calls every month, talking around topics, bringing in expertise, uh, and then being able to reach out. We, I had a, I had a question recently. I posted out to the, the leadership board. I got, you know, 15 responses because we were trying to, you know, change to a new pen tester that had OT expertise as an example, yep. right? So that's just an example uh, of just how, how you know, uh, you know, how the community works. You know? So Sean, you came in to rec, now part of the executive board, um, executive committee, I should say. If you're at the top of the food chain as far as technical expertise, I mean, you know, you spent your, what do you get out of REC as an organization or are you there more to give? Um, it's definitely still both. Um, I definitely, I'm happy to share my expertise, but, um, you know, I, I've reached out to Jim. I've reached out to several others on the leadership board. Uh, you know, when I have questions or topics come up that I'm unsure about, um, you know, what I, while I do have a lot of cyber experience, I've only been in, in, in real estate for, you know, six years. And, you know, the, the others on the board have deep experience um, in real estate. They've been there for a long time. So there are definitely areas where I reach out just to understand better, you know, things about the business, things about how things work. Um, and I think it's a, it's a really good reciprocal relationship as we, you know, work together and, and talk with each other. And the documentation, you know, that we've prepared in the past has been helpful. And I know that there's, there's new things coming um, that are, are going to be beneficial to the overall group. You know, I, I, you could not have written that that description any better. People having different areas of expertise, but maybe not every area of expertise. And then you can look to this group to fill the holes that you've got. So uh, in your case, you know, didn't have 25, 30 years of real estate experience like Jim does. But nonetheless, you know, there's a, there's a real back and forth benefit there. Um, Greg, the newest to our group, but a good understanding of the industry. What do you think the real benefits are for new folks considering being part of REC? I think that one of the things that uh, we were talking about moving forward with when it comes to REC is connecting the dots between the real estate owners, the A&E firms, uh, the manufacturers, the installing contractors. But one that no one ever talks about is the commissioning agents. Right. Most of your larger projects have commissioning agents and there's an effort to uh, promote cyber commissioning. Right. Cyber commissioning from mm -hmm. pre functional checklists to functional testing of the network and the devices and things like that. And I think all of these new ideas that are being introduced to the cyber world and connecting the cyber world to the manufacturers, I think that's one of the biggest benefits now. 
Yeah. Well, in, in, in the ITOT conversation keeps coming up. If you go to a, like say a corporation that's got real estate and you talk to their uh, general IT group, you know, in charge of accounting and enterprise applications, what percentage of their time, energy or interest is, is on OT? I'd bet you it's less than 5%, right? But then all of a sudden you're talking about bringing protocols to cyber, just like we have everywhere else. Um, that's again, what comes out of a mixed organization with people very, you know, you coming from the integrator fronts, uh, Sean coming from the, the, the CISO front, Jim, IT real estate. I mean, that collective knowledge base, that's where the magic happens. Uh, I, and we, we, and we, ha we have a, a very substantial member who's done that journey on the corporate side, Jim, you know, really yeah. bringing that, those, the IT and OT from the real estate side together. And there's so many lessons learned from their journey, uh, that they, they so undertook. I think having all the stakeholders in one room is the magic, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and and instead of everybody going to different rooms and having different conversations in their own silos, break down those silos, get to know each other. And, and that's how, because IT goes into every aspect of an organization, you know, from the CEO's desk all the way into a, a generator or a HVAC system in a building. And that's a complex puzzle and, and it needs all hands on deck. All right, so we're getting ready to go to uh, a planning meeting, uh, or not a planning meeting, a kind of a intense couple of days rec. You know, what are the top issues? But coming out of that, we're going to have some of the top topics uh, that we're going to present at the Cyber Forum in June. Jim, a couple topics that you see bubbling to the top for 23? I think some of it we talked about uh, was really this OT, IT to OT journey that companies are on, where you know, I think incident response plans are front of mind. Uh, it is definitely like in the, in the maturity cycle. Uh, something that you know companies are, are obviously, I mean, are been focused on uh, more recently as they've taken care of some of the earlier other things of kind of like the NIST framework, um, yep. and then um, you know we're um, and then I you know at risk frameworks are still like, really trying to get grounded in the governance and the engagement model that yep. you're doing with your with your business side. Yep, Sean, any topics you see floating to the top of your list? I mean, one of the ones that still comes up frequently for us is around asset management and vulnerability management and operational technology. So I, I definitely see that one being a, a key importance um, for the for for the wider community. Yeah, I, in, even in the last couple of weeks, I've been hearing pen tests coming up again and mm -hmm. again. Um, I've heard uh, tabletop uh, where the Realcom webinars are going to be doing a tabletop. I think in a April, showing you know what how ten eight ten different people react during an incident, you know, and, and putting together a playbook. Um, Greg, any any Final thoughts on what topics you think are bubbling up for 2023? Uh, integrating cyber into Division 25, which is integrated mm. automation in the specifications. That's what. What inning are we in? I would say the first. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and and I, and, I, I, and I, I love what Greg is bringing to the table because we are we try to impact our construction disciplines around that. And I, again, you coming in, I we've got others on that are championing this and sponsoring this on our board. Um, I think it could potentially have some real impact, uh, Jim, if we well, focus. The you know, weeds, we this, focus, you know. This is where the ideas go into the weeds, and the weeds are hard, and the weeds <laughs> take a long time, and they're boring, but. You don't move this ball forward without getting through this stuff. And Greg, I agree. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and there's a ton of versions of Division 25 out there. And, uh, and, I, and I think the key is to get everyone in the room collectively, take all the pieces and parts from, the, from Division 25 and how most engineering firms think it should be constructed and make sure that cyber is right in an area where it can't be missed. Right. 
You want to make yeah. sure that it can't be missed. Make sure that the commissioning agents know how to commission the systems. And yeah, and, and I think that's more important than anything because at the end of the day, if it lands in the section of a specification, it's part of the contract documents, right? And someone owes it to you. Well, I, I our call, I think I think it's a pretty smart group of people and been on this for a while, but I think our speaker on our last call got some attention when he was talking about, um, you know, uh, the uh, different air, the um, BACnet, um, was it SC. BACnet SC? Yeah, I mean, and, and the Division 25. I mean, this is getting into the weeds where the rubber meets the road and you don't get over the finish line without going through this field. So, Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Greg, back to you. Um, just give some folks some uh, final thoughts about why they should be involved in REC and uh, we'll bring up the website for you and, and just give us a, a little overview on, on why new members should be interested in coming on board. Well, it's basically about the content, right? We've got uh, four or five best practices groups who are uh, really, really heavily involved in producing, publishing and distributing uh, some of the framework out there that will help some of the owners move forward. Uh, we have our monthly leadership meetings that includes uh, different speakers that we invite in. It can be one to two uh, speakers along with our uh, along with our breakout sessions. So for so for me, when I talk to potential members, I always let them know that it's going to be engaging. It's going to be something that when you walk away, you'll see where our industry is moving, right, and where cyber is moving and what cyber awareness means to the OT environment. And, and that's one of the main things that I focus on when I'm talking to new members, is a collective group of people that are, that are in this think tank that are pushing cyber to the forefront of every conversation when it comes to OT. Very well said, very well said. So um, at this point, we're out of time. Uh, I'm gonna bring Howard on to do the news in a second. Jim, final thoughts? Oh, just, just join the community. It's about a communal effort. Yeah. Sean? Yeah, no, com completely agree with Jim. The more the merrier. I think it, it all adds to the value of the organization. Greg, final thoughts to you. I'm happy to be at the helm of the, of, of the leadership right now. And uh, hopefully we can get a more diverse group when it comes to different disciplines and different stakeholders. I'd like to see more A&E firms maybe join, more systems integrators, more manufacturers, so that they can know exactly at the end of the day, what are the owner's project requirements when it comes to cyber? They, need to, hear, they need to hear the real estate community's voice. The message over the last five, six, seven years is getting more and more refined. It makes more and more sense. And uh, I think as Charles um, uh, says, uh, our, who we got to do a, a big shout out to Charles, who, who was one of those first guys who got us started. Um, it, it feels like we're pivoting to another level. And, uh, and I agree. I think um, we're getting to a new stage in the organization and it's because of folks like you. So guys, thank you. Really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll be seeing you uh, in a few weeks, but I'm sure I'll be talking to you before then. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. All right. With that, let's bring on Howard Berger to give us some insight as to what the heck is going on in the real estate technology world this week and uh, what the big news stories are. Howard? 
Well, thank you, Mr. Young. And, <laughs> and thank you, Greg, Jim, and Sean for all your contributions. Great job. They just did a phenomenal job. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're what you've done, but and both to Realcom and for the Real Estate Cyber Consortium is uh, is is Herculean. And, and thank you for joining us today. This is a great show today. Yeah. They, uh, the, the thing that people can't go lost is that these folks have been working tirelessly for six, seven years behind the scenes, keeping this conversation going to the point where they're ready to share with the industry at large. And it's been a lot of, a lot of heavy lifting and, and, um, you know, yeah, great, I, I great don't think we can describe, I don't think we can describe it clearly enough so people really understand the How much work. level of their efforts, uh, that they've invested in meetings, uh, calls, yeah. preparing for events, content. I mean, tireless so let me get out of your way do the news and uh, i'll be back yeah. in a second i'll try to fly through these i've got a few news stories from our weekly briefing that goes out every thursday morning uh, if you don't see it in your inbox just go up to realcom.com click on news and you can subscribe there uh but today our lead story so our lisa woods i think most of you know her has uh made her annual trek to the ahr expo it's one of the biggest uh annual hvac and refrigeration trade shows and she was there a couple of weeks it's in georgia world congress in atlanta a massive show, 65,000 attendees, some 1,700 exhibitors, and it, it, which and it nearly doubled in size from 2022. So this year, more than ever, there was a huge focus on automation and innovation. It was apparent both in the technology provision that they have on the trade show floor and in the smart building educational sessions, where, where they were, which were literally bulging at the seams there. Uh, they, and they weren't just talking about HVAC and chillers, but they were talking about network interoperability and cybersecurity analytics, standards, procurement, collaborations, the talent shortage, ESG, supply chain, huge focus on tech and automation. And we asked a few of the attending uh, industry thought leaders for some of their observations and takeaways on the show. And we received some really thoughtful and insightful comments, which I will not go into here. You're going to have to read the article, uh, which I very much encourage you to read. So uh, thanks, Lisa, for a great article. Uh, also like to shout out to this week's tech partner, Yardi, for a great article by Ray Seagars, uh, who's the solution consultant at Yardi, and it's entitled Creating Pathways to Higher ESG Scores. So according to Harvard Law School Forum on Corporate Governance, a 2020 survey by Sustainability found that ESG ratings, the most frequently referenced source of information that institutional investors rely on to gauge ESG for performance, and another survey found that 88% of investment professionals use third-party ESG ratings as part of their investment process. So it's becoming apparent that funds for, are flowing more freely into ESG-labeled investment product, product, uh, products and projects. So how do you measure, track, and improve your ESG score to increase your asset value? So it starts with an overall ESG strategy encompassing benchmarking and reporting and certification energy auditing, operational strategies, and uh, to name a few. So there's a great, there's much, much more in this article. It's, it's really a great article. I'd encourage you all to have a look. Um, next article, past Realcom IBCon attendees. If, uh, if you've attended, you're probably familiar with our best practice, uh, Smart Building Best Practice Showcase. This is where we bring in 30, 40 real estate execs representing some of the most iconic smart building projects from around the world and attendees can mix with these executives in a very informal yet highly interactive poster type session. So this week we're highlighting one of these projects, National Landing, 
which is the largest walkable mixed-use downtown development in Virginia, and it encompasses Crystal City, the eastern part of Pentagon City, and the northern part portion of Potomac Yard. Uh, now, the developer JBG Smith is making National City the first 5G smart city at scale, and they're deploying a cutting-edge digital infrastructure with fiber, edge data centers, high-capacity compute, ubiquitous 5G and Wi-Fi, and CBRS private networks throughout the project. Now, in addition to the seamless indoor-outdoor connectivity, they also have autonomous vehicles uh, on street uh, and deliveries via AI-enabled robots, seamless touchless retail experience, and augmented and virtual reality with both mobile devices and wearables. Now, according to John Walsh, uh, who's Accenture's chief sales officer, uh, on National Landing's design, he said, the physical location and the digital capabilities that are enabled in this environment are probably 15 years ahead of anything else that we're seeing. So if you're not familiar with National Landing, I would encourage you, have a look at this week's profile. Finally, uh, this is a great article by Sharif Ibrahim at Microsoft on how Bentall Green Oak is building its sustainability platform. So just a few years ago, it was relatively rare that companies either knew of or cared about ESG reporting. Now the entire world is literally scrambling to figure out why it is important and how to, how to you know, and, and what the heck to do with it. But lack of data, reporting formats, and standards are challenges that still need to be overcome. So Bentall Green Oak was an early adopter of ESG practices. And last year, they embarked on a month-long pilot to test out the Microsoft, Microsoft Sustainability Managers platform. And the goal, figure out whether it would for, re, support their ESG reporting requirements and their data integrations so they could easily consolidate ESG data from multiple sources, automate key processes like project status updates, performance management, report generation. But as a bonus, what they found is it also gave them the ability to integrate with other Microsoft solutions like Power Apps uh, and build no-code data collection tools to visualize data insights. Interesting article, especially if you're looking to build versus buy an ESG reporting platform. Check it out. Um, ESG is becoming, uh, it has been a big topic for 20 years on and off, the, at least the E part. And it, it seems like it's really taken hold and we're seeing processes, programs, companies, organizations, technologies really uh, moving in this direction. I think we owe it to our audiences to report on the, uh, you know, the, uh, the advances being made here because we're still, I think it still feels like we're in the early, uh, you know, we're, we're still at, uh, you know, inning two, if that, uh, and there, uh, there is going to be a lot to, uh, you know, a lot to overcome, a lot of challenges to overcome and Big time. being able to make, you know, make, well, make I hold that thought for a second because I'm going to we're going to go to a break. And then when I introduce next week's show, this theme of ESG is going to continue. Excellent. Thank you, Jim. All right. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye bye. All right. With, before I introduce uh, next week's show, uh, let's hear from our final sponsor and I'll be right back. All right. Well, first of all, I would like to say thank you to our great guest, the executive leadership team from the Real Estate Cyber Consortium, REC. Guys, as always, did a great job, not just today, but for a long, long time. And we want to say thank you for your efforts. Thank you to our sponsors and thank you to the Realcom team to put uh, this great episode together. So now on to next week, uh, we're going to continue the theme of ESG. And uh, because ESG has become such a big topic, we're going to devote some pre-conference time uh, to it, meaning it's going to have three plus hours of its own time before the conference starts 
to talk specifically about ESG from a technical perspective, from the technology angle. That's where we live. And we got a great advisory board. If you haven't seen them, go up to our website and just look at our advisors. You'll see the people we pulled together. And we've got at least three. We may have some surprise guests who are going to be joining us next week for this conversation about ESG, this ESG advisory group, and then what we're planning at the conference. Clayton Ulrich, SVP Operations, Engineering, and Sustainability for Heinz. Great organization, Clayton, a great industry exec. Maureen Ehrenberg, CRE, Blue Sky IBE, uh, has been on leadership teams of JLL, CBRE, um, WeWork, uh, really a powerhouse in the industry. And Michael Dashel, SVP Sustainability from Brookfield Properties, one of the biggest asset property owners in the world. So um, we've got uh, a great uh, episode planned. If you're focusing on ESG or just want to understand what it is, I really encourage you to uh, tune in and we're looking forward to a great show next week. So with that, I'd like to bid farewell, say goodbye, and all of you have a great day, a great weekend. Be well.